Hey guys, it's Lori. This episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Check them out at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 166, The Emotional Garden. Yes, hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and Matt Krieg is at work right now, uh, but he can't join us for that fact. But I do have the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hey, Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. So I cannot wait to dive into the emotional garden. And yes, garden. If you're wondering why I'm saying the word garden, go back to intro one and two, and you'll understand how the purpose of this series is to talk about how life is more than a timeline, because that's boring. Uh, But it's more like a garden to cultivate with Gardener God and alongside our co-gardeners. That's you guys. Uh, Today, we're going to talk to an emotional expert, um, a psychology professor, Dr. Peace Amadi, and she's going to help us, just help us. Uh, If you are anything like many of us, most of us, Really, the statistics are every other person. We are anxious and or depressed. And so we're going to talk about how we can engage specifically that area of our lives. So, yeah, we're going to allude generally to emotions. But really, if we're feeling anxious and depressed, how can we really take a next step? Should we reach out to a therapist? Why should we reach out to a therapist? What role does the church have in this whole thing? Um, And what, what are the biblical reasons for seeking therapy and So guys, we want to really link arms with you and step forward, especially if you're feeling like, I don't know, on the edge of drowning today. But before we do, before we dive into this conversation, I actually want to let you know of a tool or resource that I've not yet advertised at all. And yet it's one of the bigger, more significant parts of the ministry. And that is coaching. You guys know you can do coaching. It's a step. If you've reached out to a therapist and their waiting list is six months long, I'm not a therapist. However, if you would love a friend in the trenches with you, uh, you can check out some of our coaching options at lauriekrieg.com slash shop. S-H-O-P, lauriekrieg.com slash shop. Uh, And you can see some of the um, coaching options that I have there to meet with me. And really, I love, sure, offering advice if you want to talk about anything that we talk about on this podcast. But my favorite, favorite is to hear you and um, help connect your heart, God willing, to the heart of the Father who just loves you so much. Oh, guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Dr. Peace Amadi. If you do not know Peace, she is a psychology professor, speaker, children's book author, content creator, and host. And she holds a BA in psychology from UCLA and a master's and doctorate in psychology from Azusa Pacific University. As a woman of faith, she uses her various platforms to bridge the gap between mental health, love it, and faith, love it, for the purposes of engaging a deeper healing journey. As a woman of Nigerian descent, sense she calls for reflection on how healing is affected by culture and family and she's also the author not just a children's book author but the newly minted author of the book that you guys can pre-order now which you need to if you're familiar with our content uh, you guys are going to hear some overlap between what she talks about and what we talk about but this book is called why do i feel like this understand your difficult emotions and find grace to move through peace welcome Thank you so much, Lori. I'm super excited to be here and feel very honored. 
Oh, we're so, so glad to have you. I just can't wait for our audience to get to know you better. Okay, we are going to first get to know you better by asking you the set of questions we've asked every guest for the previous 165 episodes. And this is the set of questions. If the gospel is, I am more loved than I imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe, when was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still today? So first of all, that's a big question. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But a lot of questions feel really big to me because I I think super deeply about everything, sometimes about things I don't need to be. But I think I I first think of, um, I first think of college. I first think of college because that was when I was self-proclaimed completely out of control. Um, and most, more so emotionally than, Mm. than anything else. So I wasn't, you know, the wild child. I I like to tell people I was the pastor's kid who was actually a good girl, (laughs) but, but, um, emotionally, I I mean, I've always been very emotional. Um, Mm. and I don't say that as a, as a negative thing. I I talk about that in the book, actually, about how that's Mm. not looked at negatively, but it does require a lot of understanding and a lot of tools when you are, here's the official phrase, a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. Um, You need a lot of support and a lot of tools and a lot of understanding to kind of navigate life because life sucks. And it's true, (laughs) right? Um, Podcast over, that's it. Um, (laughs) Especially when you're, you know, at that time where you're coming into adulthood and trying to figure yourself out. But I was a highly emotional person, highly sensitive person. Um, I had hit a lot of adversities. I'd had a really bad breakup and I just kind of lost myself, just kind of drowned in all, you know, all of the emotions. And I, I see nothing again, wrong with that being overwhelmed by your emotions but in that moment i became really destructive i became Mm. really um aggressive even violent not against a person but you know i was a type i was a type of girl back then that if you hurt me i destroyed your car it was pretty wild you know i just Mm. a lot of things where um i was i was out of control um in that way and i remember um, a couple conversations with, with with my mentor where even in that she was so intent on reminding me how much God loved me and how much he understood me um, better than anyone else and better than I understood myself. And while the things I was doing wasn't okay, you know, the way that I was expressing myself and trying to communicate to people and to the world that I was hurting, um, my hurt was okay. And my hurt was um, understood by God. And he wanted to meet me in that. And that just was kind of the first time I saw God as gentle and sensitive and um, just embracing of me and, you know, of my brokenness and of my pain. And um, I think that's my favorite thing about him still, (laughs) that even when I'm out of control, we're out of control. And even in the moments where we are doing things we're not supposed to be doing when we're out of control, um, he's still like, I got you, you know? I, you know, come here, let me hug you really quick. (laughs) 
and then we can talk about how to better deal with this. And so God for me is gentle understanding. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I love that. And I love that we're already talking about emotions because a lot of us can feel overwhelmed with them right now. Today, and you're touching on this now, like, you know, waking up this morning, how do you still need the gospel's good news? Mm-hmm. I I still need that because I have a, kind of related to a lot of what's been going on in the world. Um, I still need to know God is there and feel God there when I am questioning, <laughs> like mm-hmm. right now, I have a lot of questions about what I'm seeing in the world and what I'm seeing um, from people who claim to serve the same God that I do. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've actually since college, you know, have felt like this is the first time since college I have had really deep questions about faith and um, what it means to be a Christian. And, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm having to ask myself, do you still want to be this um, because of what you're seeing, because of what you've experienced? So, I mean, I'm talking like politically and like racial tension and like all this mm-hmm. stuff that we've been going through the past, you know, year, you know, has really caused me to be like, whoa, you know, I don't know how much I want to align myself with these people. <laughs> Right, and right. I don't know how much they want me to be a part of them. And, and I'm speaking generally because I don't want to turn this political or anything. But um, I, I think you can you know, hear me when I mm-hmm. say it's been really hard. It's been really hard yeah. to be a Christian. It's been really hard to be a Black Christian, a Black female mm-hmm. Christian. Um, mm-hmm. And so right now, it's that same, I feel it's that same embrace I'm feeling from God, even in my big questions, even in my, even, even in my rejection of certain things from the body and even certain things that, you know, I may have believed my whole life. So I just feel like there's space and a gentleness and an embrace in my ambiguity and in my uh, doubt and even in my rejection and curiosity about how I want to just keep doing this walk. I don't know if that makes mm. sense. That's the best way yeah. I think it's coming to me. That embrace, yeah, just that embrace, even in this time of like, I don't know what's going on, and I and I'm really doubting a lot of a lot of things right now. Mm-hmm. What's so great is God can handle all our doubts, and you allude to this in our in your book. It's it's really it's less about I have it all figured out. I had it figured out from birth, and I had it figured out in my twenties, and I figured out now. It's like are you going to stay with him as you're wrestling mm-hmm. um, with him in that embrace? I love that. So, and I love that as an author, um, you're willing to still get, get messy with Jesus and get, I don't know, on the mat with him and wrestle through things. So there's a lot of people listening right now who, when I say these stats are going to just be like, yeah, me. Um, I just was looking at some of the anxiety, speaking of, you know, emotions, I'm I'm going to more anxiety and depression stats right now, just because of the last 2020 year. Um, But in 2019, and these are two different studies, guys, but so take this with a grain of salt. um, But as a baseline, 8.2% of adults had symptoms of anxiety and 6.6 had depressive disorder symptoms. So 8% anxiety, 6% depressive, that's 2019. 
bloop, bloop, fast forward to 2020. Depression is in the U.S. Um, 39% of people report depressive symptoms and 42% anxiety. So, wow, that seems like a giant jump to me. Uh, what do these stats indicate to you, Peace, as you are someone who's been neck deep, maybe all the way deep into emotions? Yeah, so... Uh, just to comment on your first point, there's there's tons of studies going around looking at this. And so you'll hear different numbers depending on the study, but for sure, um, there's been an uptick, um, a significant uptick in anxiety and depression. And um, just like the two studies you looked at are, are indicating. And it tells me, it tells me we have a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it tells me that people are really lonely yeah. It tells me people are uh, hurting. Um, it tells me people don't feel safe and secure right now um, in their lives, in their relationships, in their careers, and even just what's going on in the world. There's been so much unrest that I've noticed is whatever, because because our existence is so connected, we're connected to God, we're connected to each other, we're connected to our world. What we see in the world is going to be we're going to experience internally. So the more chaotic our lives are, the more chaotic our world is, the more chaotic our internal environment is going to be as well. So even if we're already kind of experiencing, you know, just our own unique struggles, there's going to be an, an implosion um, just by nature of us being connected to everything around us. So hmm. yeah, it, it tells me that um, collectively we're, we're in, we're in a tough spot, um, more so than we've been, and and we need to figure it out. We need to figure it out because it's it's translating into you know increased suicides. Um, you know, relationships are really struggling right now. Marriages are really struggling, and this is not new. But there was something I think particularly unique about 2020, obviously COVID and everything, um, that I think just took a hammer to the glass <laughs> yeah. and here we are, you know, trying to, trying to figure our way forward. Do you sense that we've collectively gone through a traumatic experience? Like, would you call this trauma? And I know you define trauma, big T and little T in your book, but do you, do you, does it seem like we've all gone through a trauma this last year? Oh, absolutely. That's, Absolutely. It's, it's been traumatic. Hasn't it? You yeah. know, I mean, for, I mean, we are living in a way that is not um, natural. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're super isolated. Our most important need is connection. You mm -hmm. know, it is belonging. And, and COVID has robbed us of that, um, you know, in, in the name of being safe. And, you know, I've, I've agree, generally agree with generally the approach we've taken to this, but it's come with, um, yeah, it, it's come with a lot of bad stuff, being mm -hmm. forcibly disconnected from each other, um, which, you know, if you read the book, I, I point to loneliness as one of the predominant reasons that outside of kind of biological stuff that we're experiencing depression because we do have to consider what's going on physiologically, biologically, neurologically. But outside of that, psychologically, I would say loneliness um, from my research um, and from experience, my work is one of the, the biggest reasons that we struggle. 
um, mm-hmm. with with depression. It's not everyone's story, but it's a big part of it. And you know, so to answer your question, I do feel like we're experiencing trauma, um, and I feel that is directly related to what COVID has forced um, our lives to look like or not look like anymore. Um, as well as you know, just the t- the socio-political racial tension that we've experienced um and what that's done to friendships and relationships and internally and you know to churches i mean there's a lot of division there's a lot of um rage there's a lot of um cutting people out there's a lot of isolation there's just a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and i think all together for sure this is a a little t going on big t collective trouble (laughs) (laughs) We're heading to big T. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think some of us, because for some, this is, it's very kind to just admit the challenges that we've faced. Do you think that some of us are going to walk out of this with a little PTSD symptoms? Well, for sure. I mean, speaking speaking from my experience, I mean, the, the last time I talked about kind of the effect of what 2020 was, I literally, you know, named it. Um, particularly around the, the the racial tensions, yeah. Because I'm getting to speak a lot about this myself, being a black woman, mm-hmm. um, the the symptoms that black people specifically were experiencing were straight up acute stress disorder, one step down mm-hmm. from PTSD. And so I'm very familiar with those symptoms, and I was and I and I saw that transpire. We were all experiencing that every last symptom of acute stress disorder, which is just literally the first step on your way to PTSD. Now, generally, everybody, I think for different reasons, have, have, have all probably experienced symptoms of acute stress disorder um, in 2020, maybe still in that, you know, um, from all the different things that were going on. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just think it's kind to just say, so thank you. Thank you for just like acknowledging some of the pain that people are feeling. But now I'm picturing our listeners and I'm picturing even where some of where you started in your book and it it wasn't about COVID, but you were just talking about how you were sitting in church and a pastor, you you called it uh, spiritual bypassing. Um, Could you describe uh, what is spiritual bypassing? Yes, I love talking about this. So spiritual bypassing is when we use spiritual language, language or spiritual ideas to minimize, dismiss, um, or just reject altogether our deep emotional experiences and questions and and pain. So as an example, it's saying something like, oh, just let go and let God, you know, to someone who's deeply worried about something or, um, you know, just forgive, which, okay, it's like we know the spiritual ideal is forgiveness. And, and I say ideal purposely because I think, I believe that scripture presents ideals. I, I don't I don't think all the things that we read are just things that we are able and even God expects us to be able to do overnight. It's literally all of these things that are in the word are lifetime ideals. We're all working towards them. Mm-hmm. And so just forgive. Ugh, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> 
you know, I maybe I'm a person who experienced a rape or, you know, some sort of family trauma or um, or, you know, in, in, interpersonal violence or, um, or or someone just said really mean things that dagged us in the heart. I know I'm supposed to ultimately forgive, but I can't do that overnight. I can't do that tomorrow. I may not even be able to do that for years, to be honest. And that's just the reality of the situation. So while telling somebody to forgive is the ideal and the goal, um, expecting that that person be able to do that overnight is crazy. And so telling them that, knowing that that's not a real, a, a real expectation is insensitive and dismissive. Um, and that's just, that's just the truth of it. That's just, that's just the heart of the matter, (laughs) you know? Um, so spiritually bypassing is when we just throw these platitudes on and kind of expect people to just bounce back. And we can do this to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, we do it to each other and spiritual leaders do it a lot. Um, and I think it's really unfortunate because I think we miss a lot of things there and it just, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Why do we do this to each other, to ourselves yeah. and to each other? Uh, I think that's a great question, first of all. And I think for a number of reasons. I think one, people don't know what else to say. People don't really know how to enter into somebody else's pain. That's not a skill that's taught. Um, and that that's like a whole other conversation, right? Because I think we can better equip pastors and spiritual leaders to truly enter into the pain of their congregation and, you know, um, the pain of their leaders, like that's a skill set. Um, so this is not to, you know, demonize anyone, but it's just to say there, there's a skill set that's lacking here. And it's the skill set of entering into somebody's pain. Yeah. One and, and two. So, so one is just not knowing how Two is just not being up for the job, not being up to being there for someone for real. Um, I think our culture being so, uh, our microwave culture has, has one of the implications of that has been us just kind of hoping that we say stuff and people just get it together and just kind of forgetting or not being willing to really be there with Mm -hmm. someone. And when we do it to ourselves, I think it's a similar thing. We don't know Mm -hmm. how, or we just don't want to deal. Hey guys, it's Lori and Matt and Steve. Hey guys, we have recently discovered a new to us translation of the Bible called the Christian Standard Bible. And you know what? We love it. Currently, we really like the Holy Land Illustrated Edition. Yeah, I love that one because I've never been to Israel or Turkey or anything. And so to like see those places while I'm reading. Yeah, it just it makes you feel like uh, like you're experiencing it without having to drop a few thousand dollars to do so. Uh, Yeah. So, guys, if you want to check out this Holy Land Illustrated Bible, visit CSBHolyLandIllustratedBible.com. And we'll put that link in the show notes. So someone who's listening is like, all right, I fall definitely into the 40 something percent anxiety, depression. Um, I have been spiritually bypassed by myself and by others. And when I meet, so I do coaching, my husband's a licensed therapist. His waiting list is 20 people deep. And everyone, all of his therapy friends, same situation. People are hurting. And I 
I can't send anyone to him anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't have therapists on my in my Rolodex <laughs> to send. So can you teach us maybe a first step for someone who's listening, who's like, okay, I want those skills. Can you help me to dig into my, to my own soul and to even, you know, I'm thinking of the ideal piece where you're sharing your gospel story, where it's in the wrestling, in the pain, I'm with Jesus. Because I think too often we get Jesus juked or spiritually bypassed, and then we throw the baby out with the bathwater, then Jesus is gone. So can you help us take a first step? If we're overwhelmed every, I can't see a therapist for six months. Can you help us? Yeah. Another big question, but I would say, (laughs) I would say the, the absolute first step is just to pause and listen and name the pain. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you feeling? You know, is it, is it anxiety? Um, is it sadness? You know, is it grief? Is there a loss you're still not over? Are you lonely? You know, um, are you hungry for something? Is there something you still don't understand? Are you still mad about something somebody said to you? Are you thinking about something, you know, in your childhood? Like whatever it is, it's so important to name it. Um, and that is, that can't be, overstated because when you name the pain you basically tell yourself that it's real and it deserves attention and that there's something that your body your mind your psyche is trying to tell you and that's the whole premise of the book like why do i feel like this um the second question would be like okay what is this emotion trying to tell me and that is something we can all begin to do without um, help, uh, begin, because uh, I would say, okay, let's still find this therapist. Let's figure out- Get on their list. <laughs> Get on the list at least. But, you know, you beginning to, to sit down and pause and say, okay, I'm not going to just try to, okay, you know, just forgive this person or just, uh, let me just like, you know, take a few deep breaths and, and keep going, you know? Um, yeah. You know, we got to get up and go to work and attend to our kids and do all those type of things, but you got to create a moment to sit and be like, what am I feeling? And what could this feeling be trying to tell me particularly about what I'm missing? So emotions, I mean, one of their main, one of their main goals is to tell us that something is missing. Something has gone awry. There's a need that's not being met, a core need, um, whether that be a need for belonging or a need to feel significant or, uh, you know, again, to somebody, um, a, a need for affection, a need for, for safety and security. What is that? When you, when you can name that pain and take some time to listen and begin to explore the question, what am I missing and what do I need? That literally takes away a little bit of the edge off because mm-hmm. part of what we're feeling is that edge of not knowing what the heck is going on and not validating it for ourselves. Our brain is looking for a way to sort of understand what's going on inside us. And so part of the pain and anxiety and the angst we feel is us not knowing. And so taking the time to answer those questions can take a little bit of that edge off, just literally um, being able to put language to things and giving ourselves, giving our brain an opportunity to understand um, is helpful. I know that was like mm-hmm. a big, 
No, it makes sense. It's and I just keep thinking of you quoted Dr. Caroline Leaf in there and I'm going to misquote the exact thing, but it's just popping in my head. And she said, once you can name something, it loses its power. And and once you can help it to, you know, lose some of its power, take the edge off, then it can be changed. So Mm -hmm. the first half of the journey is just, okay, it feels so ambiguous. I'm so drowning it. I just sure it's anxious, depressed. I don't know. COVID 2020 walk away distract yourself as opposed to sitting down with yourself and taking the time to name exactly what you're sensing. And as I was thinking about that quote, I was picturing, you know, Jesus when, you know, he's literally encountering the demonic and he's like, what's your name? And I think that that helps to take the edge off. (laughs) I mean, Jesus didn't need that advantage, but it really, they lose some of their power when they're not just this huge angry thing. Yeah. Okay. So if they're doing that and they're able to name anxiety, depression, all right, I have, there's something from my childhood. When do you know it's time to call up the therapist? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So people, people laugh with my answer, but I really mean this. I think everybody needs to be in therapy. (laughs) Agreed. I agree. (laughs) So at some point or all the time. I mean, at, at some point, at some point for sure, at least once in your life, definitely through difficult seasons or seasons, seasons of transition, um, change, grieving. Um, and I, I make that point because there's this idea that, okay, we, you know, we don't necessarily need a therapist until things are really, really bad. And, you know, we're two seconds away from doing something we'll regret for the rest of our lives, where I think if we get into it a little bit sooner um, and really look at therapists and just the mental, you know, the mental health, uh, mental health professionals in general, as people who, you know, should be a part of our regular community in general, I think um, things don't always have to get as bad as they could when we're doing life so alone. And, you know, remember what I was saying earlier, how a lot of people don't have the skills to enter into your pain, even if they're well-meaning. And so when you have a therapist, when you have um, someone that you're working with, um, it's someone who has those skills to enter into your pain, you know, however mild or moderate they are. So you'll, you'll hear different things when you, you know, with that question. I mean, the, the, The textbook answer is, you know, when things are so bad that it's affecting your relationships, you know, your work, um, your social life, all of that, um, for sure, that's a, you know, get yourself into therapy or get yourself on a list. But I think if you know that you're, it's a time where, you know, something's shifting in you um, or something, you know, was said in, in church or you know, and school that kind of reminds you of, you know, a pain you've been working through for a while or a pain from childhood. I I think it doesn't need to get to a point where you can't sleep, you can't eat, you know, whatever, before you call someone up and say, hey, I would, I would love to talk through this a little bit more. That's my bet. That's Mm -hmm. my bet. That's Mm -hmm. just a huge therapy, go to therapy now if you can. If someone's on a waiting list, and they're looking at six months out, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a single friend or someone who's, it's just hard. It's hard. It doesn't matter if you're single or married, but I'm just picturing their community is really tough. And, um, but maybe they're thinking of a couple people they could possibly reach out to. 
could they go through your book and like ask each other questions? Like, would that be something that would be feasible? Yes. Um, yes. So the reason self-help books, especially ones that are written by, you know, qualified people can be really helpful. I mean, they're literally written by people who know what they're talking about and who have helped people through very similar things. And so um, if, if, you know, you're on a waiting list for therapy or you're not even sure therapy is for you because I get that. I get that sometimes that could take a long journey. A book like mine, I don't want to over promote, but a book like mine, you know, is designed to walk you through step by step how to begin to unpack some of these experiences that you have, you know, so having, I have a book on trauma and what it, why we need to tell our story and how it, not a book on trauma, a chapter on trauma, why we need to tell our story and how exactly to tell our story. Like what are the important pieces of that um, is something that you can get with a group of friends or a mentor or whatever, and literally walk through and have someone be with you as you're trying to do some of these things. So absolutely a good resource and a good community however small, friend, couple friends, small group, leaning on each other to talk through what they're experiencing, you know, what they're naming, where this came from, you know, what what has changed in them because of it, what they think they need in this time as they realize what they're truly hurting about. That is a journey that can be walked alongside with trusted friends, um, and, you know, a, a good resource for sure. Because again, the uh, belonging and connection goes a really long way. Hmm. If the church was really the church, <laughs> would we need therapists? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say yes, because it's like asking if the church is really the church, would we still need oncologists right um would we still need whatever i um i think if the church was still the church there would be probably less pain and less Mm. um loneliness and less confusion but i think life in general is so tough that the, prof- the tools that God has given us through, you know, the science of psychology and all the other sciences are a blessing and things to be used in conjunction with whatever support we're getting from, you know, wherever we're getting it. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we're created in a sense to need each other. I think God has put himself in each other for a reason. And I think, all of it's supposed to work together. Our, our faith communities, our spiritual leaders, um, our therapists and our physicians and our teachers and all of it's supposed to work together. Um, but I think the church inadvertently is creating more problems for people than they probably realize. Mm. God help us. Yeah. One of my favorite ta- TED Talks and... Um, is by a woman named Sarah Montana. She talks about forgiveness. Um, I would I would highly suggest everybody listen to it. She shares a story of how she came to forgive an old friend who actually ended up murdering 
her mother and her brother. I wrote about it in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, in her talk, it's it's hilarious because, you know, she has this line where it's like, a million verses telling you you need to forgive, but none of them telling you how exactly to do it. And she's so, <laughs> you know, it's it's very real. It's it's mm-hmm. like, okay, where's that verse on how exactly I do this? How exactly right. do I let go of the person that murdered my mother? How exactly do I let go of the person that raped me? How exactly do I let go of the person that abused me when I was four? You know, like that mm-hmm. is something that we, that God has encouraged us to be together in, um, and figure out, you know, um, how to heal with, you know, each other, like in this beautiful life he's given us. And that's why connection, I feel like I'm getting emotional, but that's why connection is so important. Um, because it's, it's literally everything and, and God designed God designed it that way. So yes. I'm thankful for his word, but I'm thankful for the encouragement to be in community and to love one another and to be there for each other. Because I think that's really, that's really the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And really his word, everything you're saying, the, that belonging piece is so, I mean, it's foundational. That's Genesis 2. You know, we're made to belong. Yeah. If someone is listening and they are just feeling, oh, I keep ending this way, but I just so care about you listeners. They're just feeling a little spark of hope based on what you said. And they've been doing virtual church for a solid year, maybe, maybe once a month. <laughs> and they have a few friends they've been seeing a bit. Um, But they just have this, hum of depression, anxiety, where can they start right now? What's something they can do as soon as this podcast is done to do some of that connection to God and people? What's this one step they could take? Yeah. So two things to that. First, I just want to paint the picture with that, that um, to realize, first of all, that I talk about this in different ways. I have one metaphor in the book, but what I want to use today is to, to not Think of your healing journey as this linear line of this point you're trying to get to, but instead of a circle, um, this is one way I talk about it, but you know, when whatever point you are in your healing journey, however far you feel like you're off from being happy or whole or whatever, think of this immediately as a circle. It feels like you're getting further and further away from where you want to be, but if you keep moving, you're actually getting closer to where you know, where, where you want to be. So it's, it's literally this circle of a journey that we're all experiencing. And so I always tell people, make sure to remind people, keep walking, keep moving, you know, keep putting one step in front of the other, because though you feel like you're getting further and further away, in one direction you are, but in another direction, you're getting closer. So that's one thing, just flip, you know, flip that um, framework. But Secondly, I, I would say the first thing, um, maybe you've done it yesterday, five minutes ago, do it again, reach out to someone, reach out to a friend, tell them what you are feeling. Hmm. Send a text, hi, you know what? I listened to a podcast, I was just thinking, and I just feel like I need to say out loud, I've been struggling. I've been really anxious. I've been really sad. I'm not even sure why. 
but I was told that it helps to talk about it, that it helps to reach out to someone. And I, I, I you may not even know what to say, but I know that I, I need support. I need somebody to talk to. Um, I need someone to check on me. I need someone to pray for me, whatever it is, make a connection. The more connections we make, um, the, the, the better, the, the more honestly life-saving. Um, mm. So telling one person or one more person what you're, what you're going through and telling them that you need support. And maybe it just starts with a hangout, a phone call, you know, an outside brunch, whatever you're comfortable with doing in this time, but make that connection. It, it, it's literally where everything begins and ends. That's so good. I love that practical advice. And thanks for even giving the like words to say in the text. I just think right now, even when I'm meeting with people, I'm like, let's just go through your day. <laughs> let's just go through how you can make it through today a little step further. So thank you so much for that practical thoughts. Thanks for engaging my <laughs> big questions. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> and for um, just sharing uh, some practical words when it comes to really engaging our depression, anxiety, just the collective pain that we're experiencing. Uh, just thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lori. And um, I mean, you, you even plugged my, you plugged my book more than I did. <laughs> oh, I'll keep plugging just it. read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so thank you for that. Um, thank you for, you know, aff affirming me and, and that, and these ideas. And I, I, I can imagine the amount of trust your listeners um, have for you. So it means a lot to me that you've allowed me to enter this space and to share with people that it's, it's clear that you love. Um, mm. And yeah, so this is this has been great. And I and I yeah, stand behind. Reach out to someone, get a resource. Um, I think my book's pretty good. It's a good place to start. But you it know, is. there's a lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank you, guys. Go pre-order that book. Why do I feel like this? Understand your difficult emotions and find grace to move through. Again, she talks about core needs. That's like really throughout the whole book. She doesn't have our exact same list, but it's a great list. Um, and core beliefs and just really um, if you're familiar with our heart model her model's not the exact same but there's a lot of overlap and so if you're interested in what we say there I think you're gonna like this thank you again to Dr. Peace Amadi and for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast guys we'll see you next week <laughs>